Welcome to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. Today's episode is being brought to you in part by ModMed. Stop wasting 60 minutes and $200 for each open or no-show slot and shift your urology practice into high gear with ModMed Urology. The team over at ModMed is transforming healthcare by placing doctors and patients at the center of care through an intelligent, urology-specific cloud platform designed to adapt to your style of practice, remembering preferences, and automatically suggesting documentation and billing codes. Built by urologists, And with input from me uh, on their coding engine and code selections, ModMed Urology is available on tablet or the web and works seamlessly with other offerings, offerings, including practice management, analytics, telehealth, payment processing, patient engagement tools, revenue cycle management, and much more. Check out why urologists voted ModMed number one urology-specific EHR and PM solution at modmed.com slash PRS network. Welcome to episode 107 of the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-host, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. We thank uh, ModMed for uh, sponsor being a partner of the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast. So today's episode, we are going to answer questions. We've got a couple questions that we want to discuss. And um, obviously with, uh, you know, we, we had mentioned and first thing we want to cover is our, our new format and what we're trying to accomplish. You know, the, having a sponsor helps us bring, continue to bring quality programming to you all. So uh, we'd mentioned that uh, back in uh, one of the earlier episodes that uh, this was on the horizon, so we just uh, wanted to welcome ModMed to the podcast. Uh, okay, so the two two questions we're covering today, one is on transurethral resection of the bladder tumor, and uh, we want to cover what happens when you only resect half a tumor. So we'll, we'll get to that. And our second question is regarding Urolift and how many times you can perform. Can you do a repeat procedure? What what are the what are the what's the Medicare rule out there for that? Where there's some other carriers. So, all right, let's dive right in. We have a question. The first question is from Whitney, and Whitney says we have an instance where the patient came in for a TURBT. He and the doc, the provider states he partially resected the tumor. Would you code this a cysto with biopsy? And uh, the op note does not seem to uh, support the code for the TURBT as the whole tumor was not resected. Any thoughts? Thanks. All right, let's dive into it. Mark, what do you think of that? Yeah, so a little more background on this particular case. So basically, this is a uh, fairly large bladder sessile tumor uh, at the posterior wall. Um, And the operative note tells us that they were resecting this tumor, and they got about halfway done with it and and were running into a little bit of 
of difficulty because of the vascular nature of the tumor and the size and and everything that they were a little uncertain whether they were getting tumor or bladder wall. So um, they decided to stop resecting the tumor, um, see what the pathology says, and then go from there. Um, so <clears throat> from the from the code read, you know we've got uh, you know the the cystourethroscopy with um, the fulguration and or resection of bladder tumor tumors um, on this, and then we've got size. Um, now, as I read the CPT code, um, you know, ultimately you're trying to resect the tumor and the effort here is to resect the tumor and the effort overall um, in the description really talks about the fact that they are in fact resecting the tumor and taking some of that um, tumor for biopsy, which would be normal for a full resection or uh, or not. Um, in this particular case, I would recommend uh, as using the size. Um, in this case, um, based on the fact they remove half of a greater than five centimeter uh, tumor, I'd look at it as a 2.5 centimeter tumor that was resected. It's the same effort, the same work that's involved. There's nothing in the code that says you had to resect the whole thing um, in the whole process. So um, I would recommend go ahead and using this. You've got a zero globe, um, so you're not in any danger of having to stage it. But And the, the note really does indicate that they're going to um, see what to do next based on what they get. And they finished up with adequate hemostasis. So I see no problem here in using the the bladder tumor resection code. Uh, it would be better if the the note would have included the the size of what was resected as part of the bladder tumor. Um, but again, I don't see anything in the code that would block us from using the code uh, for the appropriate size of bladder tumor resection performed. Ray, thoughts on that? Uh no, I agree with Mark. Uh, he did resect tumors. It's a sessile. It was probably not one great big tumor the way it reads. And and he removed tumors or tumors. So I think the the size and maybe they should go back in and, addend, and make an addendum to the resection for how much he removed to to adequate document the size. All right. Okay. I think that uh, answers that. And I think that, you know, the we did have a little discussion prior to the podcast about this and and you know the had there been some question, you know, that that we talked about the fifty two modifier, but in this case, it seems like uh, we're all set with the code yeah. with the correct tumor. So one thing, one thing uh, Ray said on this was that there were probably some tumors that that he actually removed completely, um, I, and and that's probably the the case here logically. But I do I do want to come back to the interpretation on this, the coding on this from my side as a uh, you know, as as a coder on this, I don't think that it is 
important overall that a full tumor was resected um, on this. I mean, obviously, you want to do what is medically necessary here, and the goal in a bladder tumor resection is to remove the entire tumor um, where possible. But there are plenty of times when it's muscle invasive and you don't get all the the tumor overall. So um, I don't think that it is important, and I wanted to be clear that the you know the the use of the 52 although we discussed it would not be required because the performance of the procedure was and the procedure performed was resection of tumor all right ray do you agree with that yes okay all right let's move on to the the next question we got um so this is from uh, Mo, and Mo asked, or Mo had a had a situation where they say we have a Medicare patient who needs a second Urolift procedure. The patient is a Medicare patient and had six Urolift implants on the first procedure. Some insurances do not allow for repeat procedure, so that is clear. Any idea about Medicare, specifically Novitis, Novitas? Also, they have a maximum of seven implants. Is that per procedure or over the life of the patient? Okay, so let's let's first start with MUEs, right? So MUEs, which the the Medicare program has an MUE for the Eurolift of six total, right? So um, so or seven total. So your implant limit. For a single date, it is a clinical service or clinical date of service edit on that MUE, um, uh, does restrict the number of, of, of implants to, uh, well, let me just make sure I got that. And when you're, uh, when you're looking yeah. that up, the, the MUE stands for medically unlikely edits. Yes. Yeah. And so the medically unlikely edits for the five two four four two is six, and the five two four four one is one, and both of those are date of service edits. So they are specifically outlined as MUEs for date of service, meaning it is not a lifetime limitation, but a date of service edit or it's a same day issue. Uh, so. From that standpoint, the limitation of number of lifts or number of implants is not uh, lifetime-based. The MUEs are date of service, and typically they are date of service issues. Um, so now when, when we look further into kind of lifetime edits in Medicare and try and dig around for some of those uh, rules relative to lifetime, we didn't find anything specifically um, within Noridian, um, nor did we find it on the CMS site um, with regard to a limitation on once per lifetime for Eurolift. Um, now, that doesn't mean that it's going to sail through um, because, you know, as with anything, there are always uh, issues around. Um, those types of services that are not performed very frequently, 
um, with, an, with a question of medical necessity and whether or not it is investigational, which is what a lot of the private payers have tagged those. So it, it doesn't look like it's a hard block for more than one, um, but certainly you would need to probably demonstrate um, that the Eurolifts were working um, and that you do have a reasonable uh, uh, belief that a Eurolift a second time through would solve their problem. So um, you want to make sure your documentation is well uh, developed. There's a good chance it is going to be questioned. Um, and Overall, you want to make sure that the you know that that it, it there is medical belief that this is the of course the right procedure, which of course you do, but making sure that the overall support is well documented because that is going to be the support you're going to need to uh, potentially provide to get that paid because it is not a a normal thing that we've seen a lot of. Ray, what do you think? Uh, yes, I agree with Mark. No, no additional comments. All right. And Mark, can you explain the MUEs? Uh, you had mentioned this is a date of service. What are the other types of MUE uh, restrictions out there? So you've got, um, you've got a couple of different types of AIs, the medical adjustment indicators with MUEs. Um, so uh, they, and they're listed on AUA coding today, but if you dig through theirs, there's, you know, there's basically clinical edits, and then there are hard um, edits for um, the the twos and the threes are really the AI adjudicate or the adjudication indicators that are assigned. And clinical um, means that it is uh, really based on general. Uh, medical data, and that if there is a reason to exceed the MUEs um, based on clinical uh, information from that particular patient, uh, th that can be appealed and can be uh, potentially overridden um, by Medicare um, for that particular case. So, um, for example, we definitely have folks that are within the MUE overall stick with the Eurolift where they really have a, a prostate that medically requires more than seven. And you can exceed that list of seven um, with appropriate medical documentation um, because uh, that th there is clinical reason to exceed that. That MUE is medically unlikely at it's not medically unallowed in the overall process so you do want to to uh, make sure that that documentation is there but those mues that have a, an ai or an adjudication indicator of three um, can be appealed the ai of one indicates that it is a claim line edit and then the adjudication edits of two and three are data service edits. I already went through three. Um, and then an, an MAI of two um, is an absolute. 
edit, and that's what I was looking for. It's an absolute data service edit, and that means that that essentially these have been reviewed, vetted, and they have determined that there is no way that they are going to um, pay for more than the MUE on that particular data service. All right. Ray, any thoughts on that? No. Okay. All right. I should have I should have actually looked straight back at the 52441. It has a data service edit of two. So, of course, it's the insertion of the single implant. So they're saying you can't bill that more than once, but you can bill the 52442 six times. And then if clinically the rationale is there for more, you can appeal that. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll wrap this up here. And again, we want to thank our partners over at uh, ModMed for sponsoring in part this episode. That uh, Let's do final thoughts, Ray. No, I'll just wait to take us home. Yeah. Mark, any final thoughts on today's episode? So I, I guess the only thing I would add on all this stuff is, you know, we're getting we're getting uh, a lot of exacting requirements um, for uh, for billing and coding these days, and it, it seems to be getting more and more difficult and a lot more work um, to get everything uh, paid for. And the number of charts that I have reviewed that makes sense from a urologic standpoint. Um, you know, with bare minimum results and, and those types of things are, are, are documentation pieces that don't always win in the chart review side of the equation. So um, it, it really is getting, you know, the, it's, uh, we have always said that if you didn't document it well, you know, you were going to have a hard time getting paid for it. Um, or if you didn't document it, you didn't do it which is not really 100% accurate. But if you didn't document document well, you don't get paid for a lot of what you do. So I'm going to encourage everyone to, to make sure that they are thorough um, in their documentation and realize that the number of charts that you are going to have reviewed by payers is increasing. Um, a lot of that has to do with the payer's ability to use computer-assisted coding, making it a lot easier to look at everything that you do. So expect that to continue to increase and uh, make sure your documentation's thorough um, and descriptive of what you did and why. Scott, yeah. I would like to add a couple of comments. Mark uh, made some good points there. And <clears throat> we started PRS 30 years ago because we knew the system was going to get complicated. And you've heard me say before, it's gotten more complicated than I ever imagined it would. They're splitting hairs that's already been split. But the point I want to make now is that's what we are working hard to do at PRS. It's become absolutely imperative that physicians have a working knowledge. 
Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir for those of you listening to the podcast, but we need to educate physicians as to the basics of the rules so that they do document accurately and completely according to the payment rules as well as according to urological procedure rules. And that's one of the reasons we've started the PRS Educational Foundation and are educating residents free of charge so that the next generation of urologists will have the basic knowledge they need. All right. Very good. And you can uh, access that if you want to check out the PRS Education Foundation. You can go to the episode page and we'll put a link to that on the episode page. So if you go to prsnetwork.com forward slash 107 for episode 107. All right. With that, we'll end this. Ray, take us out. Happy coding. Thank you for listening to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and their staff maximize income and efficiencies so there's time and energy for patient care and a happy life. Special thanks to Carl Painter for the music today. You can find his music on Spotify under his record label, The Juice Reef.